you've got six seconds on Instagram, you've got pre-rolls or mid-rolls for podcasts, you've got YouTube where the likelihood of maybe even hearing a sonic logo at the end of a six or 15 second is fairly limited. So the question is, how do I weave in almost sonic watermarking into a whole piece of creative that people can still recognize without even having to see the logo at the end? The sound has a great ability to also look at those screenless ones and also particularly these new kinds of formats and how can you engage with people without having to use the traditional, and we already say traditional now, but the traditional means of sonic. And that's kind of what we're at AMP looking at across the board. And that's what our, where our philosophy is kind of going to go. Today, I'm joined by Vijay Iyer. Vijay is the head of AMP Sound Branding's US division. In his professional career, he's worked in business, communications, marketing, and HR, as well as having launched several startups. As an Indian immigrant who spent time in Germany and Switzerland, as well as the U.S., his musical influence has been all over the place, from techno to classical to Stevie Wonder. He's also an accomplished dancer. Welcome to the Sound and Marketing Podcast, VJ. Yeah, thank you very much for having us and having me. I'm very excited. I'm uh, glad to be on. I'm so glad you could make it. Um, now, with your background, I have to start with this question. How did you, how did you find your way to AMP? Because you, you have quite a diverse background yeah. beforehand. I, um, it's interesting. I, I used to work at GM for a long time. And a friend of mine, as I was thinking about what I want to do next, said, hey, there's this really cool company that I've been in contact with that I actually spoke at one of their forums at the Cannes Lions. And I think uh, they're looking for somebody in the U.S. Um, they're looking for somebody who loves music and sound, but also has some business and marketing background, and understands the context of how that translates into branding. Why don't you meet with these guys? And I met uh, Michaela Arneza, who's our CEO, and with uh, um, Oli Reese, who's our CMO. Um, super informal in Munich in the office. I walked into the office, and uh, Michaela has a big chunk of his albums in the office, so like uh, records. And I think the first one I saw was an Al Jarreau album. And then I kind of looked across and I said, okay, this is going to work. And that was an amazing conversation. And uh, one year later, we here. I've been, I've been with the team about a year, a little bit over a year now. And it's been an amazing ride. Just super fun. Growing a great team. So that's how it happened. Yeah, I hear about AMP all the time. It's a wonderful company. And, and we'll get into this later. But they, there's a report that I wanted you to kind of touch on because you guys did a report on Best audio brands report. There we go. Just kind of reporting on the temperature of what sonic branding and sound branding looks like right now. I consider AMP one of the authorities. Why, why would you say, in your opinion or in your company's opinion, sonic branding is so important? What's the science behind music and its effect on all, all of us? What's your take? I think it's a, it's a really, really good question. I think there's a number of things. If you look at our landscape today versus maybe... 40, 50 years back, right? We remember the times of the jingles and then we uh, had the first Sonic logos, um, some corporate sound. But what really all of those do is they're very efficient or they have roles within the respective spaces that you seldom leave or you really need to figure out a way how can you, in a landscape that is so much changing from a customer experience and touch point perspective, how do I use sound in all of those touch points? Does my Sonic logo really work on an Alexa? Is it the right sound that somebody wants to hear when they're interacting? Um, or should it be the voice of my brand? What does my brand sound like on a phone? What is it going to sound like in especially environments where I really don't have the opportunity of visual? 
Uh, and then what does it look like for future generations? We talked about our children earlier. And if I think about um, our daughter who seamlessly interacts now with an Alexa and asks her questions, particularly as we're homeschooling at the moment, mm-hmm. um, and there are questions I can't answer. Or if you think about the change in the interfaces that we deal with, there's a lot of interesting points there to kind of consider from a sonic branding perspective. And I, I saw a study the other day, I think it was from Australia, where they interviewed 18 to 18 to 25 year olds and asked them and a little younger and asked them about how important the sound of a brand is as they interact with it. And considering that they interact with it primarily through digital channels mm-hmm. and less um, so on YouTube and other channels. And I think 74% of them said if a brand has a clear sonic identity, I can translate that into connecting with the brand much more than if it didn't. So all of those factors combined, I think, so really having a, a holistic approach to sonic branding makes a lot of sense. That's fascinating. Not surprising, but it's still fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and also like just in this day and age, you touched on smart speakers and 30 or 40 years ago, brains didn't have to worry about something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, we didn't even have the Internet, really. Like, I mean, I think some people scientists or something had it or whatever, but we didn't have it in our homes. Um, Back then, there was just there was very specific outlets for even visual, you know, like how you would get your visual identity across and everything. So the the sound aspect wasn't something we had to worry about. So I think people kind of went on autopilot in their marketing strategy and just kept doing what worked. And then technology started showing up. And I've, I've touched on this before, talking about podcast advertising and streaming, you can't just put your broadcast ad, the, vo- the VO for your broadcast ad into an advertisement that's going to fit in the middle of someone's favorite podcast. Because, you know, at the very least, you're going to blow out their ears. Because I, I know that the decibel levels are mixed differently for a broadcast as to if something's in like earbuds, there's so much more sensitivity going on in your ears. I think you're absolutely right. I think it's a question of context and authenticity in that context. Podcasts are a great example. I, I love, and it's amazing, right, how um, if you think about the, the New York Times Daily Podcast and how Michael Barbaro has and the team have built that sonic brand that when I ask Alexa to play the podcast or I listen to someone, and it, it's, I immediately recognize it. So they're mm-hmm. actually sonic brands in themselves. Mm-hmm. But then to your point is all of those different interaction points, what is the, what is the emotional connection that I want to build to the, to the listener, to the consumer, um, and how do I best do that? And how can sound help with that? You asked the question earlier, um, kind of the power of sound and the science behind it. I think it was in um, Psychology Magazine. There's research on how the sense of hearing actually is the sense that reaches your brain the fastest versus maybe, I think it's the number somewhere in like 10 times faster than the blink of an eye. So there's, there's that, the, the, the fact that sound has an impact on, it has an ability to trigger decisions. It impacts dopamine in the body. So even to the point where it can trigger happiness and um, some say uh, it makes you, that's what makes you also purchase things. And then the, I think, um, I think it's, is it ox, oxytocin that is like the trust hormone? So where music has the ability to influence trust. And we kind of sub, subconsciously know this. Um, uh, you and I could hear the same song. I don't know if it's We Will Rock You by Queen and we're both going to automatically do the hand motion. Oh, and yeah, we know, you have to. <laughs> um, so we, we know it from listening to music, but the science behind it shows that there's an opportunity to also translate that into um, how brands are perceived from a sonic perspective. Well, and I think also, you know, you were just saying 
more trustworthy, that the sound can can make the brand more trustworthy. And it was just popping into my brain. If it goes into your brain that much faster than any other source, it would make sense that it would feel more sincere because it feels like it's a part of you at that point. Not to get too esoteric, but... Um, There's certain sounds that we hear, and if it's just a singular sound, that immediately trigger an emotion like... If we hear something and we're afraid, we need, our body kind of reacts to it in a way and you start running from, from something. But then there's the interesting element, if you have a melody, and your body will do that every time. Like every time you hear the sound, there's no, your, your brain doesn't remember, it just automatically reacts to it. Right. And it's like the animal in us. Um, yeah. But then if there's a melody that you hear, you connect to that melody. You, uh, and if, if you heard a number of times, you go like, oh, I, I recognize this. And you can kind of connect it with something, uh, mm -hmm. a feeling, a memory there's a reason why we all have, or many of us have that favorite song that we dance to at our wedding. It definitely has that power. No, you're just talking about recollection of a song. And there's one that will forever be ingrained in my head. Uh, Smashing Pumpkins, 1979. Whenever it plays, I go back into my friend Alan's car in high school and we're driving down like the back roads, speeding probably, and just have the windows down at summertime. Every time that goes into my head, that was not 1979, but <laughs> um, it's just so powerful to me, and it and and it does produce so many positive and happy memories. Um, so it's just it's so powerful, and I also think too. Everybody knows the statistic now, but the fact that our attention span now is shorter than a goldfish, it is very important that we get into the minds and uh, memories of people that much faster with our brands and what we're marketing. It's absolutely true. And I think the um, kind of as you, as you look at it from a marketing perspective, as you mentioned earlier, think about the new formats that are out there. You've got six seconds on Instagram. You've got pre-rolls for podcasts. You've got pre-rolls for or mid-rolls for podcasts. You've got um, YouTube where the, the likelihood of maybe you even hearing a Sonic logo at the end of a six or 15 second is fairly limited. So the question is, how do I weave in almost sonic watermarking into a whole piece of creative that people can still recognize without even having to see the logo at the end. The sound has a great ability to also look at those, um, the, the screenless ones uh, that we touched on already, but then also particularly these new kinds of formats and how can you engage with people without having to use the traditional, and we already say traditional now, but the traditional means of, of sonic. And that's kind of what we're at AMP looking at across the board, and, and that's what our, where our philosophy is kind of going to go. Well, and I wanted to switch around my questions a little bit because um, it kind of this segues pretty well. Follow you on LinkedIn and you, you shared an article about um, the touchless interaction that's going to be first and foremost during our situation in COVID-19 and beyond because this will continue. Can you kind of touch on how important sound is in that respect with this touchless interaction? People want to continue to have similar customer experiences, but now you're in a situation where, where you have Pizza Hut telling you that it's going to be contactless delivery. You're in a situation where you might need to verify yourself in some form or sort. You want to find a figure out a way of using uh, your credit card and just tapping something versus, uh, which is already existent. And, and MasterCard obviously does that with their own sound that you hear when the transaction happens. But I think we're going to see more of it. And that's why, from our perspective, the last year or we at, at AMP, we really looked at the, the topic of voice and how voice interaction can help in that respect, um, both from a perspective of being how 
voice interaction happens with me doing something with my voice, but then even more so also how the brand responds on the other side. And um, that truly is a capability that is completely touchless and uh, has a lot of power and I think a lot of merit at this point to kind of grow further. Um, the article that I posted was about the, the potential of um, using voice in context of touchless retail. And retail definitely is a space where we're gonna see this picking up packages or being able to interact without having to touch a lot of things. So I think more and more the question will be, how do we use sound in that context and how particularly do we use voice? And that's why it's also important to have a strategy around what is my voice? Do I have uh, interaction sounds that um, play at those different touch points um, that also give somebody the feeling that something happened? In the example that I used earlier, the MasterCard team, I think there's some interesting research there about how they came up with the sound built off their sonic identity or the sonic DNA. And it's essentially the way that they do the sound for the acceptance of a payment when mm -hmm. you use your um, card, the tap and go card, mm -hmm. is that they tested it and it basically people come back and recall that it creates a feeling of trust. Mm. because it makes them feel like their transaction has gone through and it's a positive feeling of, okay, it's paid, I'm fine, it's secure. Satisfaction. Um, so that's a really, it's a really interesting satisfaction. It's a really interesting um, approach to say, okay, how does my brand need to sound in that specific moment of customer interaction? And so I think that becomes even more relevant in a world where we will have less physical money transfer and less interaction. The point of sale conversation is something that I've been talking to with friends for a couple of years. And, um, and I'm just like, why aren't people doing this? Why aren't people doing this? Uh, and so it, I had no way of actually putting all of this stuff together, but I'm so glad to see MasterCard and other people doing this, um, this thought that I was just like, how come it hasn't happened yet? It's, I think it's um, because, and this is, goes back to the general discussion around where we are in, let's say the, um, we, we kind of, communicate or we, we said it in best audio brands um, in our 2020 report that we're kind of halfway there mm -hmm. uh, because a lot of the brands are doing um, there's a number of brands in the top five or six or top ten that do a really good job but at the end of the day that that next step of really consistently rolling out the brand across all of the all of the customer experience or at least in those places where it's relevant mm -hmm. there's still some way to go so to your point if i have a traditional model where i might have a jingle uh, maybe some corporate music and a sonic logo, those three elements, they work well in certain touch points, yeah. but they really don't work well in an environment where I might need to rethink how I interact with the customer. So mm -hmm. you're on the right path, absolutely the right path that we need to think about those touch points on a whole different way. But I also think too, um, because like when, when I started doing my research and really like delving into this whole sound marketing thing, it was overwhelming. It was so much. And I, I went down so many rabbit holes and I still am like, whoa, that's really cool. Um, but I, I feel that brands might be over intimidated that they might be intimidated by this whole huge universe of possibilities and my my feeling on it is if it's too much for you just just try the try the logo see what you think of that and like if you feel that it is representing yourself then then let's let's you know bridge off of that and figure out i i think the key to it is experimentation play around try some things and see if something fits because as long as it's just like in your head and you're not doing something you're not participating and it's not going to go further yes and no um because i i know it's also a question of the size of your your company and how many touch points you have and all those things but i think it's 
I think you're right. I think you need to start somewhere. What's interesting about the process that we apply at AMP, it's a design-driven process. So we really start with the idea around who is your brand, as similar as you would do it for the visual identity. What's your mission? What's your vision? Is there mm -hmm. a tonality that you've defined for the brand? Even funny enough, we also look at the, the, the visual expression of the brand purpose. Um, and then also a big topic is what are your touch points today? Mm -hmm. And what are the key customer experiences that you have? And for a brand that basically has an app, um, and that might be their main interaction point, then the question becomes, how does Sonic play in the context of that customer experience? One of our clients is Mercedes-Benz that has a, a broad set of touch points, anything from a retail environment to events and shows, mobile apps, in-vehicle, in and around the vehicle. The question really becomes, okay, where do those touch points rank and what are the individual experiences in there and how do we cater to those? So the key thing for us is, and I know you've, you've seen this, we, we kind of say that we're the inventors of the sonic DNA. And the idea behind that really is, how can you create the sonic expression of a brand similar to your visual expression that is the translation of all of those things I mentioned before into sound and music? creating essentially the sound of your brand in context of harmonies, riffs, all of the different ingredients that you would know from a song, chord progressions, and then look at how those can play in music, but also how those could be, you could drive elements of that for all of those other touch points. And that is the base of, it's a little bit inspired by James Bond. <laughs> right. Uh, they did a good job. That's great yeah, Sonic a, branding. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. And, and I think the, the, the example here of the Sonic DNA fits perfectly. It's, it's a brand that's been there for 50 years. And funny enough, actually, they only use a number of touch points. But the idea of you start with Dr. No and that amazing DNA that was created there. And today we're at Billie Eilish. And in between, we had everything from uh, Adele to Madonna to mm. uh, AHA. Um, Live and Let Die is one of my favorite tracks as well in there. So there's, there's so many different, um, ex uh, over the time, different cultural expressions using elements. Sometimes it'll just use the riff. Sometimes it'll use the harmony. Sometimes it's going to use the main melody. So you'll, but you always recognize that it's James Bond. And really interesting, as you look at, the, look at those and listen to those films even closer, even cultural expressions, depending on, on where, in which country James Bond is in, You'll suddenly, uh, in India, in Octopus, you'll suddenly hear there's Indian instrumentation. Uh, and it sounds really natural because the idea is, is more so not does Indian music fit to James Bond, but how would James Bond sound if it was Indian music? And I think the same is true for any brand. What would Mercedes-Benz sound like if it was hip-hop? Not does hip-hop fit to Mercedes-Benz. If you have that ability to take a sonic DNA and translate that and give those components to a composer, or then translate it also into what would it sound like at a touch point, at, at, a, at a POS, that opens up a whole new world of how you can interact with consumers and the type of sonic assets you can create. Vijay brought up an excellent example to close this episode. We shouldn't be looking at fitting our brand to music. We should be fitting the music to the brand. Check back next week for the conclusion to our chat. For more of the Sound and Marketing Podcast, don't forget to follow, subscribe, rate, and share. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Pandora, and Stitcher. 
For inquiries on producing and developing your own podcast, or for inquiries on sonic branding and sonic branding consultation availabilities, you can find me at Dreamer Productions. That's D-R-E-A-M-R productions.com, LinkedIn, and Facebook. You can also email me at Gina, J-E-A-N-N-A, at dreamerproductions.com. All links will be provided in the show notes. This episode was produced by Dreamer Productions and hosted, written, and edited by me, Gina Isham. We all make sounds. Let's make them on purpose. Let's make this world of sound more intriguing, more unique, and more and more on brand.